0: Closer. Twenty-eight days. Six. 42 minutes, 12 seconds, that is when the world will end. Scott, if your life had a face, I would punch it. Yeah, wait, what? Let me ask you something. Why would you make the point of saying someone's not a genius? You think I'm especially not a genius? Veronica, why are you pulling my dick? Suck my fat one, you cheap dime store hood.
1: Hello everyone and welcome to another installment of The Greatest Moments in the History of Forever. I'm Zach.
2: I'm Matt. And this is episode number 46, Donnie Darko. So, before we get into the episode, a couple of things we want to touch on.
1: Right. Um. Well, as always, you can follow the show on Twitter, at Um. You can subscribe on iTunes, rate and review, leave some kind of positive message for us (laughs) if possible yeah and as we announced recently all of our uh, archived episodes are now available on iTunes yeah big news in what should have been a very easy and not even mentioned issue yes took us 46 episodes to (laughs) figure out what to do about it but well, I guess 26. It was
2: exciting nonetheless. Um, also, we have some stickers available now. So send us an envelope with a stamp and your address on it, and we can send that out to you. Uh, supplies are limited. We only have about seven available. So, <laughs> well, Where are they sending the self-addressed stamped envelope? I'm just to? kidding. Just text me, and I'll save one for you. <laughs>
1: All right, so we are winding down uh, 2016. Uh, as you may have noticed, the episodes are a little bit sporadic um, due to illness and
2: laziness, you know, laziness and, and laziness and life getting lack in of the way, disinterest
1: in the show, holiday season whatnot. Um, So right now the plan is to do one more episode, episode 47 before the end of the
2: year. Then we'll probably have some big changes. What? For next year. I mean... Uh, I I, I don't know what you're talking about, but... um, Anticipating getting like an email from you that's like, uh, due to (laughs) my dislike for you, you're no longer a part of the show.
1: (laughs) The... Oh, yeah. So we're going to do one more episode in 2016, and then we'll probably look to jump back in, you know, in the second week of January, in that January 9th era range. Era. That doesn't make sense. Um, In that January 9th range. And then hopefully, you know, we can try to get back on track with a weekly format. Week and a half. Well, that's what I mean. Try to stop <laughs> right. the week and a half. Um, so, yeah, so look for uh, one more episode and then, uh, you know, give us a little bit of time to enjoy the holidays and recharge and then we'll be back at it <laughs> in 2017. Yep. So, I'm excited about this episode, Donnie Darko. It's kind of one of those movies that there's a lot to say and we probably won't say it all. Yeah, I definitely won't. This, you know, this will be by no means a comprehensive uh, podcast, but, you know, just some of our thoughts and feelings on, uh, on this movie. Um, so, let's get to it. Now, as their coach, I was the obvious choice to
2: chaperone them on their
1: trip. But, but now, you can't go. Yes.
0: Hmm. Now, believe me, of all the other mothers, I would never dream of
1: asking you but none of the other mothers are available to go. I don't know, Kitty. It's a bad weekend.
0: Eddie's in New York. Rose, I don't know if you realize what an opportunity this is for our daughters. This has been a dream of Samantha's and, and all of ours for a long time. I made her lead dancer. Sometimes I doubt your commitment to Sparkle Motion.
1: Okay, so Donnie Darko, uh, for me, uh, was a movie that I didn't see until they released the uh, Director's Cut DVD, which, I, I don't know, was that 2004, maybe?
2: Yeah, I don't know. Um, it's possible that's the only version I've ever seen. I'm not really sure. I, I think I, yeah, I definitely watched it on video a, would a, would would have been around that time
1: yeah um they had like a uh, special screening at my college like on a big screen like in an auditorium
2: I'm sure there were a lot of cool people at that it was packed
1: yeah <laughs> I had I had never seen it and I was like uh yeah me and Bell went oh <laughs> name drop on the pod <laughs> yeah. and uh I was like hey we should check out this movie he's like okay so <laughs>
2: life hasn't changed much since that interaction yeah and i mean it's one of those things where the first time
1: you see it i mean it's basically impossible to understand it completely
2: oh definitely
1: but the first time i saw it i was still like i like this movie i like the whole vibe of it it kind of intrigued me in a way that a lot of movies don't and so you know i bought that special edition dvd shortly thereafter and you know have enjoyed it ever since and have it's kind of a movie that like you can get very into and obsessed with for you know a couple weeks or months of your life and then move away from it for a while and then you come back to it and you try to reopen all of those old doorways into all those halls that lead into all the different interpretations and ideas and theories and concepts that are explored and then you know you burn yourself out again and then you know you just repeat that cycle every few years
2: yeah i mean i probably know more about it now from you explaining it to me on this last screening (laughs) than i ever have Uh, i mean i've only seen it a few times uh i was definitely aware of a a, a group of ass clowns who were very interested in it uh back around that time and would watch it, it frequently and
1: it's strange like this movie for a giant flop well not giant i mean for pretty much a flop and a movie that was largely ignored and had release issues because of nine eleven and different things and then kind of you know gained a cult following on home video and then which led to the director's cut and everything for a movie that like didn't really move the meter much when it came out it had it definitely gained this strange backlash over the last you know five to ten years oh really yeah well because what you're saying i've heard associated with it like there is kind of like this uh feeling of the movie that it's like a hot topic kids movie i was gonna say
2: i mean i do remember it being one of those movies that seemingly carried hot topic for like a year of time and then you know like napoleon dynamite where it's just (laughs) like their merch is just filled at the store for a year of time Yeah, I mean,
1: for whatever reason, even though the movie's set in the 80s and has an 80s soundtrack, it it, it gets associated with, like, kind of like emo kids or something. Probably because of, like, the appearance of Jake Gyllenhaal on the cover and kind of, you know, he's like a troubled teen kind of thing. I'm not really sure why exactly. Because it's a
2: strange. He kinda has like an anti establishment attitude.
1: Right. And yeah, and I mean there's definitely some scenes in the film that kind of play that up more and kind of stand out as like those kind of like, you know, fuck you type scenes yeah. that like all teenagers are gonna love. But the actual subject matter of the film and kind of the ideas presented within it are are, are very kinda complex and not something you would typically associate
2: with emo kids.
1: Well yeah, well with people that don't really with people that may not be obsessed with film in general. In other True. words, it doesn't seem like the type of movie that people are going to hold up on high as it, as its own thing rather than celebrate amongst yeah. other great films too because they're very into film and discussing film rather than like
2: Yeah, I will say I re- It's not
1: like a nightmare before yeah. Christmas or napoleon dynamite and those are i i I like both of those movies but you know what i mean like somebody who doesn't watch movies at all can be obsessed with one of those two movies i do remember
2: the particular subset of dudes i was thinking about that would talk about this movie all the time also wore uh the band him t-shirts constantly (laughs) (laughs) if that tells you anything as to why i might have a might have had a general annoyance towards it at the time were you still in high school? Yeah,
1: yeah. I didn't see it until college, so maybe I just didn't. I never really associated this movie with anybody. Yeah, I, it, it it didn't become clear to me until later, like much later, that this was something that uh, some people kind of associated with, like goth kids oh, or emo yeah. kids. Yeah, and something. by the way, I,
2: I didn't hate the movie either. I just, uh, I don't know. I just didn't get, never got into the whole world of.
1: Yeah, we're talking more about the cult of Donnie Darko rather than the actual film itself right yeah yeah I, I, I it just came like at a time where I was really kind of uh exploring you know different kinds of films like yeah. off the beaten path like
2: non-mainstream and well, like, I mean, even taking the movie like you said at first viewing even taking it at face value before you get into all the analyzing of what exactly is happening it's still a cool movie I mean I remember just being like wow this is like dark and like it's got a cool soundtrack and they're really talking about some weird shit with the time travel stuff
1: yeah i mean this was uh richard kelly's first film uh his first feature length film and i mean it is like a swing for the fences all or nothing type thing i mean this is not something that you normally see from like a first-time filmmaker well
2: ambition would also be his undoing (laughs)
1: Yeah, and and I mean, I've seen different people who are critical of the film kind of saying, who kind of dismissively say, yeah, I mean, maybe this film is good, but it's an accident. It seems like it was an accidental masterpiece because of different things that ended up happening. A lot of people don't like the director's cut compared to the regular version because the director's cut includes like those... Uh, chapter scenes. In between scenes shots and, of, yeah. Well, yeah, they, where they actually show you text from the book. And throughout this uh, podcast, I'll probably reference a couple of times the uh, audio commentary with uh, Richard Kelly and Kevin Smith, where he kind of like talks about all this stuff. And I feel like in that audio commentary, he kind of does a pretty good job of explaining why he felt like he could include uh, different things in the director's cut. And one is because, a lot of the movie kind of hinges around this book um, written by Roberto Sparrow, a.k.a. Grandma Death. Mm -hmm. And they talk about this book a lot, and you never see the book. You don't really know anything that's in this book. It's just an abstract idea. Like, here's this book. This book is important. But, you know, what is in the book? So he felt like maybe... Instead of just teasing that, they should actually try to show you a little bit of what the book is or what's in the book. I mean, I kind of, I've watched both versions of the film. Um, I was, like I said, I was introduced to the director's cut first. So Mm -hmm. without having seen the regular version first. I think I saw the
2: regular version because, yeah, I don't really remember all that the inner, kind of the interjection stuff with just the shots of eyeballs and, um, yeah, the pages from the book.
1: Yeah, and I think I think, you know, when people are critical of the director's cut, they kind of say, you know, that they prefer the the mystery yeah involved in the first film. And I I I agree with that. Yeah, I don't I like, like that, everything so yeah. explained right. so
2: much and oddly plus the look of it is a little tacky.
1: Yeah, I mean I wouldn't say it's tacky. I would say like it doesn't look like it always fits. Yeah. It looks like it's from a different movie Mm -hmm. sometimes. Some of the stuff that's added is good. There's some added scenes and some extended scenes that actually help flesh out a little bit of the characters and stuff. But as far as, like, the, you know, as Richard Kelly refers to it, like the comic book imagery that's added to it to try to push forward the idea that in it, his own unique way like Donnie's becoming like this kind of superhero it doesn't always work but yeah you know whatever um and he's he's pretty clear on saying that like the director's cut by no means like replaces the original version or anything like that it's It's an expanded he, he sees it as like two separate things and you know just because the director's cut exists doesn't mean you have to forget the original or anything the movie kind of opens up with Donnie just laying out in the middle of a street, waking up. <laughs> yeah. Um,
2: and this is kind of something that makes me reflect on my life.
1: <laughs> well, it kind of plays into something that's uh, teased throughout the movie, which is like Donnie's pre existing um, condition, mental problems. He yeah. seems somewhat disturbed or troubled. We don't really get the full scope of what. His problems are yeah yeah or what he may have done in the
2: past right but and it's kind of like one of those things i mean i'm sure this is something that you would get to but he's such a like dark kind of brooding figure but it's set in like he's got like the coolest nicest parents in the world so it's like one of those type situations.
1: Yeah, um the it it, take, it takes place in um what, 88 or is it 87? I guess it's 88. Mm-hmm. And um the backdrop is the uh, presidential election between uh the first George Bush and Michael Dukakis. And in kind of like a humorous like little I wouldn't even call it a subplot, but a humorous little character thing they have like uh Donnie's sister What's her character's name?
2: Uh, I don't know.
1: Uh, Played by his real life sister. Samantha.
2: No, that's the little one.
1: Maggie Gyllenhaal. Yeah. She plays, okay, Elizabeth Darko. I don't even know if they ever say her name. (laughs) I can't even remember.
2: Yeah, I do remember uh, just watching that uh, dinner table scene the first time I ever saw this, and my girlfriend at the time was just like, oh, yeah, that's his real sister. And it's just like, I had no idea who Maggie Gyllenhaal was at the time.
1: Yeah, I don't. I don't think that I did either, but I, who knows? Yeah, I mean, just we're getting to the thing. point yeah. so many years go by. Yeah. It's like, who knows? Yeah, and there's like this weird sexual tension between the two of them or in the movie.
2: This weird projection of sexual <laughs> tension between the two of them by you.
1: All right, well, I didn't know that no. you were going to bury me this early. <laughs> and so his sleepwalking is like something that his family like already knows about. Like it's a, it's a pre-existing thing, and... His, the first time we see him waking up it's not related to the main part of the story which is uh basically when time splits and he goes into like an alternate the universe universe yeah. which will happen the second time he sleepwalks at the behest of a giant demonic looking rabbit named Frank <laughs> seemingly yeah and the whole like iconography of frank and frank's face and some of the various supernatural elements of the film kind of i think led to the mismarketing of the film especially when it came out on dvd as it was compared to stir of echoes and final destination believe it or not yeah um it's it's funny because kevin smith like brings that up and he's clearly trying to get richard kelly to like bury those two movies (laughs) and richard kelly like won't do it he's like oh that he's like stir of echoes was good and i think the final destination movies are fun for what they are. (laughs) like he just like won't do it (laughs) but like yeah i mean he was clearly distressed at the packaging for the dvd Mm -hmm. and kind of made it seem like something it totally wasn't which is one of the reasons i stayed away from it for so long Yeah, yeah it wasn't until i started to hear no this is like a special movie and i think It was referenced in maybe "Sex, Drugs, and Cocoa Puffs" by Chuck Klosterman or something like that, as being like one of the only good movies of the last however many years, because he was talking about movies that dealt with like reality and what is reality and like alternate reality and all that kind of stuff. And like, and I was like, well, maybe I'm like underestimating what this movie is, because I would see it in Blockbuster and be like, "Eh, it looks cheesy, you know what I mean?
2: Yeah, I I before like a couple of years before I saw it, I did have a friend who was very in on it early because and I remember him explaining it to me. He's like, "Yeah, there's this movie that they run on HBO all the time called Donnie Darko." And he was like, "It's really awesome. It didn't really get a release." And he like talked about the uh thing even back then which i don't even know where he got that information this seems pre-wikipedia but like i'm sure there was some internet articles yeah about it or something
1: because i mean the whole it seems i mean it kind of seems strange you know 15 plus years later to think about but just the idea that in this movie there's a part of a jet that falls off of a plane and crashes through a house and Plus, the subject matter itself is very strange yes, and dark, yes. and people just, you know, people just weren't feeling that for a while, and, like, you know, there's definitely some artistic endeavors that suffered, you know, because of
2: oh, absolutely
1: the time period, and this was a movie that came into Sundance with a lot of hype, and a lot of people were in on it, and, were really excited about it
2: drew Barrymore a real champion of it
1: (sighs) well yeah she's in it and she's a big reason it got made right but when they brought it to Sundance people kind of quickly turned and ran from it because I think a lot of distributors were didn't see any way that this movie could make money get a a big release yeah they were just like this is not mainstream enough you know it's too weird and it took several months, I think, after Sundance for them to even sell the movie. And then, you know, time keeps going, and then nine eleven, and then, you know, it just yeah. it barely got out. I think it did have a brief and very small theatrical run, but, I mean,
2: you know. What are you going to do?
1: So, where were we? So, the second time that Donnie is sleepwalking, like I said, he's having this kind of...
2: So, this is a weird part of figuring out everything, it, because if... You just take the like the tangent universe, and you're like, oh, okay. So all like the supernatural stuff is happening within that, but this part of it happens before, right? The tangent universe starts, like well, where yeah, he goes they're... out and has like the the world will end in 28. Like that's before the tangent universe actually begins, right? Right. So supernatural stuff is happening in the first reality.
1: Yeah, I mean it's like a vision.
2: Yeah, you know I don't know. Yeah,
1: you know it's like uh, I think if you're going to accept this idea that like a an alternate reality can just form. That's true. I guess you have to accept that there could be a special person chosen to you know close it eventually. Yeah, you know obviously we don't know why. Any of this is happening. True, <laughs> we don't know why a, a tangent universe forms in the first place, or why Donnie is the one chosen to basically be at the center of it.
2: Yeah, it's just kind of like, or what's propelling him to turn into a superhero?
1: Right. I mean, well, that's like, yeah, that plays into like him being like this chosen one. Yeah, which you know may or may not have something to do with uh, his pre-existing uh, mental state, or who knows. So. As he's sleepwalking, a jet engine falls through his house into his bedroom and, you know, would have killed him, but he's not there. And, you know, when he's out on his little sleepwalking adventure, he gets told that the world will end in 28 days, I think six hours and 42 minutes and 12 seconds. Right. So at the time, and like one of the big things of this movie is that you just kind of get things piece by piece. You don't see everything until the end, obviously. Like there's little things that don't get explained. So when they say the world ends, we're not sure. We just assume they're talking about the world because we don't even know that he's in a tangent universe. Right, correct, yes. But one of the things uh, that kind of, you know, isn't something that you notice the first time you watch the film is that, a lot of the characters that interact with Donnie seemingly are unaware of what's happening yet do different things to kind of push him in the right direction. Um, Drew Barrymore, his English teacher playing herself, Drew Barrymore. (laughs) She, uh, when the new student um, played by Jenna Malone. Oh yeah. Comes in and it's like her first day at school What's her character's name? Gretchen. Gretchen comes in, it's her first day of school, and she doesn't have anywhere to sit, so uh Drew Barrymore's like pick the boy you think is the most handsome and yeah, pick sit next to him. Whichever
2: or... you think the cutest boy is. Yeah. And so Which you, I mean, can you imagine a teacher? No. Yeah. It would never happen. <laughs> right. I mean, fired immediately. Now she would go on to get fired in this movie, but not for that. And so Drew Barrymore is kind of doing her part to put the two of them together
1: because Gretchen becomes necessary to um, Donnie's task, his journey, because she will serve kind of as the tipping point for him to take the action to close the Tangent Universe, basically. This
2: is actually the reverse of what would happen if I was Donnie. If, like, a new cute girl came into school and the teacher was, like, sit next to whichever boy you think is the cutest and she sat next to me, I would, like, cower and never be able to actually talk to that chick. (laughs) (laughs) It would never bring us together. Well, that's
1: why you would never be chosen by Frank. (laughs) So, Frank begins to have Donnie do different things, including, like, flood his school by damaging a water main. And also kind of begin this like adversarial relationship with um, the gym teacher, uh, Kitty Farmer, and also the local motivational speaker, Jim Cunningham, which is kind of like a weird thing to be local, but it kind of all fits with the story. Like there's this guy played by Patrick Swayze. He kind of has like like these video Robbins type. Yeah, I mean, he's it's, his whole thing is about how... Is that even
2: that dude's name? What's the dude? Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah.
1: There's like a spectrum of uh, fear and love. Yeah, and Love
2: yourself. You can overcome anything. <laughs> Don't let yourself be brought down by fear.
1: Yeah, basically anything negative or bad, it falls under fear. I mean, it's, you know, ridiculously simple. Yeah. And,
2: you know... What a stupid idea to <laughs> well, get I yourself mean, millions. And so a new romance kind of the idea that this uh this guy's whole program of like basically motivational speaking is like inserted into the curriculum for gym class is ridiculous <laughs> i mean i would just be like can't we play dodgeball
1: yeah i mean i kind of thought maybe it was like uh health class or something i yeah. don't know
2: still i'd be like can't we bake cookies <laughs> The interesting thing with
1: Kitty, the teacher, though, she has a daughter on this like dance team called Sparkle Motion, which Donnie's little sister, Samantha, is also on. And yeah. so there's like all these, these kind of weird scenes between Donnie's mother and Kitty, and they're kind of like, they have to be nice to each other, but they clearly hate each right. other.
2: <laughs> a lot of little passive-aggressive commentary going on between the two of them.
1: Yeah, I mean, well, Pat uh passive aggressive is basically the way you could describe like all of like the subur- suburban PTA True, meetings yeah. and all that stuff <laughs> just the whine and under your breath comments and <laughs> dirty looks yeah. and yet fake smiles yes <laughs> I mean, it's just you yeah. know a thing political so a new romance kind of forms between Donnie and Gretchen and at the same time Donnie feels kind of compelled I guess to start investigating time travel and he talks to his science teacher um, played by what's his name Noah, Noah Wiley. Wiley Noah Wiley yeah and um, I think Frank is the one that fi- that first puts time travel into Donnie's head though yeah because he continues to be visited by Frank periodically
2: which an interesting uh, choice for the voice of Frank too is it not that actor Oh, I don't know. I don't, it I, sounds weird. Like, obviously, there's some effect on it. Right? Yeah. Yeah, I, um, I don't know. I'm not really sure. these scenes with uh, the teacher kind of remind me of in Stranger Things when the kids are talking to their teacher about the yeah. parallel universe or whatever.
1: Yeah, and this is kind of like a vaguely religious kind of school. Right. It seems like a Catholic or school yeah. or something.
2: Yeah, that's true. They wear uniforms.
1: And so... There's kind of like a certain line that like his teacher doesn't want to cross because right. it's kind of stuff that uh, would go against the Bible or something, I yeah, yeah. would imagine. And so he's afraid that he's going to lose his job, which his wife or girlfriend, Drew Barrymore, which we don't even really find out they're 100% together, they're, right? they're together until the very end, yeah. basically. But she gets fired later. But it, it seems like an insane move to fire a teacher in october like i just can't <laughs> yeah. ever fathom that happening i right. mean i guess it could happen at like a catholic school but yeah i don't I, know i mean i never had anything like that happen uh,
2: right i mean i don't know if there's a sub of uh, it's like a mr belding's brother comes in for the rest of the year or i don't know <laughs> the what first, the fix is the first uh,
1: college professor i ever had committed suicide really in like october what of that semester what do you mean semester. like the first class that you took yeah the first class i ever was in like Monday morning, first one, that guy, yeah, for that class, right. he ended up committing suicide by
2: like October. <laughs> wow, so that was a, that was a fun time. Did they cancel that class and give everyone A's or what? No,
1: we got a new professor and we everyone had to start over. Oh, which was I can't believe you didn't throw a fit. About I that. did because oh. I, I I had like I had like you know the highest grade probably. Yeah. I mean, I still got an A in that class, but like. Kind of a friend of a friend who was in that class, let's say. A roommate of a friend had gotten to the point where he had missed the class so many times already that he was told that if he missed it again, he would get a zero. (laughs) And then this new teacher comes in and he gets a clean slate.
2: Uh. And then he (laughs) proceeds to do it again (laughs) and gets a zero. Holy shit. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) It's like... The stuff that you had going on in your life to miss so many classes in college, nothing. Well, laying in bed listening to uh, ESPN radio Well, his thing all was day. staying
1: up all night and taking, like, outdated versions of, like, EA sports games and, like, updating the rosters manually. <laughs>
2: <laughs> like, creating the characters? And I don't know. Naming them I, don't, and I, don't, I don't know what he was doing. <laughs> So
1: the weird thing about this movie is kind of like the only thing propelling it forward is this 28 days, 6 hours, 42 minutes,
2: 12 seconds. Right. Like that's
1: the only thing like that's kind of hanging around being like, well, what is happening here? Like yeah, we kinda, have kind
2: of just like normal suburban life with weird shit happening. Yeah, we're, we're happening not really around.
1: sure what... Donnie is supposed to do. Yeah. We just know that there's
2: cuz even the stuff that he is limit. doing he seems to not really have full control over. Like the school thing.
1: Right. And he has like no control over his hallucinations or or whatever they are with right. Frank. Like he Frank seems to come and go as he pleases and so the information is kind of like slim and always kind of coded in a way where we don't know exactly what it all means. All the while, Donnie's kind of seeing this psychiatrist who he's probably been seeing before this all started, but now this kind of adds a new wrinkle to it as he fully admits to this psychiatrist that there's a giant rabbit named Frank that he talks to. Yeah. And she kind of doesn't really know what to do with this and tries all kinds of different things, Suggests including like
2: hypnotherapy.
1: Where, yeah, he talks about like wanting to have sex with Christina Applegate. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Which, I mean. Not dissimilar from your own hypnotherapy.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I I kind of like I was a little bit too young, I think, to be like in on Christina Applegate in that original like Married with Children run. But recently, I went back and watched Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead. Yeah, when she was like (laughs) nineteen, and I was like blown away. Yeah, (laughs) that's all I'm gonna say.
2: Yeah, Christina Applegate in that movie, might be the hottest chick I've ever seen.
1: <laughs> Shut up. You've never even seen I that know. movie.
2: I don't like when you lie to yeah, our audience. That's true. Okay. Alright. I won't do that going forward. That's a lie. Um, but yeah, I mean, can you imagine what it would be like? Well,
1: it was originally supposed to be Alyssa Milano. And they do have to do that thing where every pop culture reference is, like, vetted by a lawyer. Oh, really? And huh. this was at the time when, like, her mom was, like, on a rampage because there were like fake nude pictures over on the internet and it was like a whole thing <laughs> Alyssa Milano yeah
2: she's nude in movies this was before that oh I guess wow.
1: I don't know this was like a whole thing and they were basically like you can't say Alyssa Milano so they changed it wow
2: and um
1: apparently Christina Applegate was super cool with it and also <laughs> Matt flattered Richard Kelly at one point and said, So
2: you wanted to fuck me, huh? Yeah, pretty much. I mean <laughs> he turned beat red. Uh but yeah, it's like what a humiliating beatdown for Donnie with his therapist here though. <laughs> he just goes into this state of rambling about fucking chicks he starts and starts to take his
1: pants <laughs> off or reach down his pants <laughs> yeah. before she stops him.
2: Right. He wakes up, she's like, You look like you need a hand with that. <laughs> Donnie gets into it
1: at an uh, assembly with that Jim Cunningham, um, kind of accusing him of being the Antichrist.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like that famous YouTube Q&A video where that dude starts getting uh, tased. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so then th- that kind of leads
1: to the second like act of vandalism spurred on by Frank after flooding the school. This time he sets fire to Jim Cunningham's house exposing,
2: like, a child pornography ring. In what way do we know? Like, they burn the house down, but, like, what... I don't know. I've always wondered what exactly this uncovers. (laughs) Well, if you
1: want to get into it... Okay, yeah. Yeah. I was just about to say, like they kind of make it clear that it's not just like, oh, he's in possession of this stuff. Like, right. it seemed like he was involved in like creating it or something, because he's involved in like the a ring or so, I don't know. Like they kind of well, he's in film
2: production, so <laughs> he's got the equipment. So it kind of seemingly
1: it kind of leads you to believe that maybe that when they were putting out the fire, they found some pretty frightening horrifying that's things. yeah that's what
2: i was thinking i mean but i was always like well how much of his house burnt down i don't know yeah i don't know it's a movie man i mean yeah. i don't
1: know what you want me to say
2: okay you've seen it more
1: um in kind of like a weird part of the movie like donnie like confesses these things to his uh therapist when he's under hypnosis but like you know she takes the initiative to call his parents, who happened to not be home at the time, but it's kind of like a, a weird little part of the movie that I'm not really sure, you know, why it's included because it doesn't really go anywhere. But it's like he kind of fully lays out what's happening as far as he knows, which is he's done these two things and now he thinks that Frank is going to kill soon. She
2: breaks the uh, confidentiality with her. Which she seemed to be doing all to. over the place right. throughout this movie. <laughs>
1: <laughs> which always kind of infuriated me because of the Jim Cunningham scam- scandal uh this kitty farmer who's like running his sister's dance team thing she wants to spearhead the Jim Cunningham defense movement or support <laughs> I don't even know what she's going to do but she needs yeah. to appear at his arraignment he
2: was framed those fu- <laughs> those damn firefighters
1: yeah so Donnie's mom is now called into action because Sparkle Motion has been asked to be on star search which is in los angeles and they're in virginia so she's gonna have to chaperone this
2: trip sexually suggestive underage girl dance troupe yeah which i mean disturbingly you were very into (laughs) while we watched this film
1: (laughs) so that leaves donnie and elizabeth by themselves and elizabeth gets accepted to harvard so they're gonna throw this party so now everything comes down to like a halloween party we're inching very close now to the yeah, deadline everything's set been by frank
2: building to this point
1: i mean we've like def, we've kind of skipped over like the grandma death stuff because that kind of is important as to where they go but
2: yeah and you know most of just the general hanging out that's happening in the movie
1: yeah sometimes it's hard to separate what is moving the plot forward and what is just like sitting on a couch in a field <laughs> talking about the smurfs yeah and smurfette um Grandma Death is a woman who I believe they say is like 96 or something insanely old. Right. Who all she does is leave her house to wander to the mailbox and cross the street and then check the mailbox again and then cross back to her house and then check the mailbox again. That's like all she does all day.
2: Grandma Death, not her given name.
1: No, Roberta Sparrow. And she wrote a book about time travel, which... Was published... Yeah, because she used to be a teacher or <laughs> in, something.
2: Uh, in possession uh, by Noah Wiley, which he carries on him apparently at all times. <laughs> yeah, it's ready his to Bible. Dole yeah, ready Bible stole out. Well, maybe was that
1: the second conversation they had? Because maybe possible, he, yeah, maybe that's... he brought it specifically, right. thinking they would talk about it yeah. again. And so this book becomes like instrumental in Donnie trying to figure out what's happening because he's the only one aware of this deadline of 28 days and all that stuff and like he's he it's unclear i guess if he thinks that what is happening between him and frank and this whole thing is bigger than himself if there's an impact to other people i guess he kind of believes he doesn't that the really going to end or well something. yeah that's
2: the thing he doesn't really know the stakes of it other than this vague idea that if he's, doesn't fulfill whatever he's supposed to do that the world will end by what means well we don't know yeah and
1: it's kind of interesting because the viewer obviously has no idea what donnie is supposed to do and why he's supposed to do it and it's it's kind of clear throughout that donnie doesn't really know so it's kind of like we're learning together right we're trying to figure this all out so he uh, his father almost runs Grandma Death over at one point, and she like whispers something in his ear. And what does she say? Something about uh,
2: so, isn't it something about like dying alone or something? like All living that? things yeah. die
1: alone or right. something like that, which is strange. Yeah. So Eddie's father, it's like, thanks for the Donnie's father, Eddie. Sorry, advice. is in uh, New York on business. Um, and his mother Rose takes Samantha's dance troupe to Los Angeles. Um, Donnie's
2: like, to his sister, let's have a party.
1: <laughs> while he, secretly wanting to make out with her. Right.
2: <laughs> um, I mean, what do you think his uh, motivation is for wanting to have this party? Just so he can use it as a way to try and finally bang his girlfriend?
1: You would think, but like, it's kind of strange how this is all set up, because the party is like in full force going on, and there's tons of people there. Oh, and yeah. Gretchen shows up. It's a
2: big hit. Randomly. Right.
1: It's almost like she wasn't even invited. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm assuming she was, and she just hadn't shown up yet, and then she shows up distressed. Um, because the thing we learned about Gretchen early in the film is she's like kind of in the witness protection program because <laughs> her, her son- stepfather <laughs> tried to kill her mother. Although,
2: yeah, she, if she is in the witness protection program, she's not very good about being secretive about it. <laughs> yeah, just telling everyone. Yeah, that's not my real name. And seemingly... Uh, her stepdad has or her mom's just disappeared, is that?
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. She shows up to the party like all like upset because the house is all wrecked and her mom is gone. Yeah. So in the middle of her like laying he's this like, out on nice. Donnie, he just goes right in for a kiss and he's <laughs> like, Shut up, shut up <laughs> <laughs> And you know, he gets on top of her and presumably they fuck and we don't see it. But at that point, um well <sighs> This has like been probably the most jumbled mess of an episode, but it's like it's hard to keep this all straight. So yeah. pr- prior to this, they had gone to see the Evil Dead at like mm-hmm. a random
2: Empty movie theater. Empty
1: movie theater. And Frank shows up when Gretchen falls asleep. And reminding you of many dates from your life. <laughs> Demanding that we see some random movie that the girl has zero interest in. <laughs> And in this scene, kind of the supernatural allure of the film is kind of temporarily disheveled because Frank removes his mask. Right. And we see that there's a human underneath. Oh, it's a normal dude. One of his eyes shot out. Yeah. We don't know who this person is or what happened to him, but it's no longer a supernatural being. It's a guy in a costume.
2: Right. Kind of a young, good-looking dude. Well, you know, minus the bleeding hole in his face, but <laughs> the super observant viewers of the film will notice
1: that uh, Donnie's sister Elizabeth inquires about to the whereabouts of Frank at the party, and right. we'll see Frank was here and went to get beer written
2: on the dry erase board on yes. the refrigerator. So now all of a sudden, He's Frank is a enough real to just leave notes at her house. I mean, obviously, right? If we're taking this that. Donnie's sister's been dating this Frank dude. But that's the thing. It's like, he's like, oh, that's the uh, thing on the fridge that people leave notes on. I'm just going to write Frank was here. And it's like, but Donnie's never met him. I don't know. He's never come over for dinner. I
1: assumed that message was for Elizabeth. Right. someone else.
2: Yeah, for Elizabeth. But I don't know. It just seems like he's comfortable in their house. Oh, you think someone else wrote it there? Maybe. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe. Oh, that's who true. Knows yeah. wh- who knows? Okay. Who wrote them All right. <laughs>
1: But like now it's it's kind of become clear that Frank is actually an actual person and he's he exists within the world of Donnie. Right, yeah. Now it's never made clear whether or not Donnie's ever met Elizabeth's boyfriend or anything. We don't know. It
2: seems like no because he doesn't recognize him when he takes the <laughs> mask off in the theater.
1: Yeah. But like all this weird shit starts happening like all the wavy tubes
2: of Oh yeah.
1: Lights are coming out of people. So the first
2: time I saw this I was like, "Oh, that's peculiar."
1: And as I mentioned before, all the characters have been doing these little things to kind of push Donnie forward. Uh,
2: and by the way, can you kind of explain to me more of the like spheres or elongated spheres coming out of the people's chest? That I don't really. No, I, I don't know oh, what that means. Oh, okay. <laughs> I,
1: it's just something weird that's happening. Yeah, as all far right. as I'm concerned. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure there's some kind of explanation for it, but they didn't
2: talk about that on the commentary. Well, at one
1: point, this that thing leads him to the gun.
2: Right. True.
1: So it's sometimes seems like those things like lead him places, and other times they're just coming out of things. Uh huh. I don't know why. Right. Um. But as I said earlier, all the characters are kind of doing these subconscious things to push Johnny in the direction that he needs to go. They're putting him with the people and the things that he needs and directing him to the places and all this different stuff. And as Drew Barrymore was packing up her shit after she got fired, she had written the phrase cellar door on the blackboard. Yes. Which turns out to be how he needs to enter Grandma Death's home. Because he sent Grandma Death a letter because she checks her fucking mailbox every two seconds and she never gets any mail (laughs) so he gives her a letter i don't even know what it says exactly Uh, i don't think they ever even show but she's in the process well they leave like uh donnie gretchen (laughs) and donnie's two friends head out on bikes to go over to grandma death's and she's in the process of being robbed by a couple of uh, the
2: bullies from school. One played oh, yeah. by Seth Rogen, right, and one who is like just like a forty-five-year-old dude still in Catholic school carries a knife at all times, <laughs> brandishes a knife several times throughout the film. Just right. a complete Luna psychopath, tech.
1: yeah. <laughs> and they kind of have a freak showdown. out, yeah, with uh, bec- well because they're being caught robbing this old woman so they like freak Which, out like, what possessions could she possibly even have well didn't the father reference uh, that she had like some yeah. kind of a gem collection that people That's try right. to steal yeah. and all this shit it seems like maybe one of those like local urban legend things like she right. probably didn't even have it or it was already stolen years ago but it was just something that people always tried to do yeah and these two idiots you know it's one of those were falling weird things where
2: it. i don't know if this uh is kind of a house design that's more like frequently appears in certain areas but it's like the there's entrance to the basement from like the front of the house right i don't know if i i, I wasn't sure the, where the entrance to the basement was. oh okay it looked like to me like the house was like kind of elevated up on this hill and then it's like it's like the basement of the house is actually more ground level right to the normal right. street but maybe it's maybe it is behind the house I don't know. Yeah. But I thought it was facing the road. It kinda of feels like a but
1: whatever. Yeah, well I know what the scenes you're talking about, you see the road and everything, but I don't know it they kinda don't really ever show how the True. they they cut to an interior shot, so you're not really sure right. where the okay. door is. But um these bullies like throw Gretchen down and she, for whatever reason, can't get up. <laughs> I mean, she just, she just lays there in the road like she an hits idiot. the ground like a bag of dirt and just <laughs> lays there like get up. Right. Like, I know it's not even like they show one of the bullies like punching her or like something that would like
2: they just lightly shove her over.
1: Yeah, and she just goes down to the ground and can't get up. Right. And the one dude's like holding a knife to Donnie's throat. And then she's a car just, starts coming. She's just being
2: dramatic about it. <laughs> and... Donnie's like, quit farting around.
1: <laughs> and this car starts coming and it scares the bullies off. But Grandma Death has wandered down like a total idiot. And it's just in the middle of the street. Right. The car swerves to avoid her and runs over gretchen who's laying on the ground
2: yeah which i mean if it's like dude just hit the old lady it's (laughs) like that i like when they tell you like a deer is in the road (laughs) if you're like going too fast it's like it's better to just hit it than swerve (laughs) it's kind of like that idea well yeah
1: i'm assuming they didn't see that there was someone laying on the ground it wasn't (laughs) like they were choosing one over the other right and gretchen is killed by this
2: right being run over and the two dudes get out of the car uh the passenger's like dude what the fuck the pet
1: the passenger's dressed like a clown and the driver is wearing the bunny suit with the mask off and holding it in his hand and it's frank right it's the same frank that we saw at the movie theater although his eye is not fucked up yep obviously you know putting the Connecting the dots, uh, this is Elizabeth's secret boyfriend um, who went to go get beer. And Donnie, who has retrieved the gun earlier that he was directed to, shoots Frank in the eye, giving him the eye wound that we saw. Yeah, an incredible shot. <laughs> well, don't they... They do show them, like, that's when they're out on that couch. they yeah, like just shooting, shooting guns, yeah. Yeah, this Richard Kelly, man, he really covered a lot of bases because he knew this thing was going to (laughs) be dissected (laughs) because it's so fucking crazy the clown just goes off running into the night and you know (laughs) i made the comment while we were watching it's like that's why i just at a certain point it's like you don't want to get dressed up for halloween anymore (laughs) (laughs) yeah because you never know What's going to happen in the night? And then you just feel like an asshole because you're dressed like a clown. Some girl gets run over. Your friend gets shot in the face. Now you're wearing a clown suit. Oh, yeah.
2: Uh, Yeah. No kidding. It's like, what an ass you look like. (laughs) Unrelated to anybody getting killed. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, just driving around on Halloween, I'm, like, nervous that somebody's going to just, like, run in front of my car. Or any night of the year. (laughs) So this basically is like the big
1: uh centerpiece scene, the big climax. Like this is what everything was leading towards. Because to me, and this is just kind of, you know, freestyling here. This is like my own kind of thoughts oh, and opinions. Right, wow. It's like Donnie needs some kind of motivation to go through with what he has to do.
2: Well, he's lost everything now.
1: His anger at the death of Gretchen, results in him killing Frank, and he doesn't know exactly what's going to happen, but he knows, based on Frank's clues, that he has to reverse time and start this all over again, and somehow it started with the jet engine falling, and I think in the director's cut, it kind of becomes more clear, because they're talking about metal and artifacts, which... The artifact is the jet engine, which is made of metal. Right. And that signifies the start of the Tangent Universe. As we're going to find out, the jet engine came from the future and fell through time into Donnie's bedroom. In the Tangent
2: Universe, he's pulled out of his bedroom. Yes, because as we go through the story, too, they're kind of like, we don't know where this piece of this jet came from.
1: Right. Right. There didn't seem to be a
2: corresponding plane, right? Alarming. <laughs> and so, Donny planes do disappear all the time. It seems like now, so
1: yeah, somehow Donny puts Gretchen into Frank's car and drives off uh, as the morning hours start to come. As the sun comes up and right. it begins to get light, this uh, vortex starts to open up. Yes. And this I guess is like in theory like a black hole kind of thing which you would be able to travel through time through. And so this is kind of left up to interpretation but it seems as if Donnie pos- now possesses some kind of power and he's able to use the power. Use the power to pull the jet engine off of the plane which happened to be the plane that his mother and sister were coming back to California on. And send it through the vortex, thus closing the loop and sending everyone back in time, back to the moment that the Tangent Universe broke off in the first place.
2: And he never leaves his bed. Right. Now, a couple of things. A, I don't know why he would want to uh, change everything, quote unquote fix everything now, because he's finally gotten the one piece out of the way that was keeping him from in- being with his sister. Frank. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, B uh this whole thing with uh Patrick Swayze's child porn ring never revealed now. So Right.
1: Yeah, and there's a funny shot of him just weeping <laughs> I <laughs> yeah. guess at like the shame and guilt of right. his life yes. or something. Um yeah, we kinda get like after the jet engine falls through his room again, this time killing Donnie, we kinda get this montage of all the characters kind mm. of as if subconsciously they're aware of something that has just happened like frank Specific touches ones, his yeah. eye
2: um the therapist looks just sort of like disturbed
1: yeah and the gym teacher right. also kind of bolts upright in bed like not sure what's happening yes. and um the chubby girl
2: what is her oh name? yeah
1: we didn't even mention her, right? She's. I think you know. If I hadn't listened to that audio commentary, I would probably make a big, bigger deal of her because it kind of seems like maybe she's aware of what's happening the whole time, yeah. In this odd kind of way, Donny's sidekick. But it turns out, at least according to Richard Kelly, that she's uh, Charita Charita Chen. She. <laughs> Is just like everyone else really. She's and she kind of just serves as like this extra thing to kind of broaden out the story and the story. She makes Donnie seem
2: likable because he stands up for
1: Right. And it turns out that she kind of has like this crush on him or whatever. In
2: a movie where he mostly seems unlikable.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So it's kind of like, you know, all fiction kind of stems from one of the basic stories which is like you know it could be man versus man or man versus nature or one of the common narratives is like the the christ narrative of like self-sacrifice right and this is like a pretty obvious christ story told you know through this troubled teen who time travels and whatnot but basically the end result is by closing the Tangent universe Donnie is going to sacrifice himself for the lives of his mother, sister Gretchen etc and possibly the universe we don't really know yeah it seems hinted that like possibly the existence of this Tangent universe would cause the universe to collapse upon itself or something and you know the world cease to exist I don't really know how or why but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's kind of just like right. implied that he might be saving the world by yeah. doing this but even if you don't want to take that leap at least on a smaller scale he's yeah. saving this chick that he fucks. <laughs> yeah and his uh, mom and sister.
2: Well whatever. Well, <laughs> um. Yeah I feel like I wanted to say something else. I will
1: say this Jenna Malone cute as a damn button in this movie.
2: Yeah really this was like
1: one of her first big things I think. I mean, she was this is in the first Saved.
2: Thing I remember it from? Oh yeah, that's right. What was the other thing? No, this was the
1: first thing I remember yeah. from yeah. I think Saved came out maybe a couple years after this, but I I saw Saved first.
2: Right. And then saw this later uh-huh. or whatever, but um interesting career for Richard Kelly since this movie uh would go on to direct Southland Tales just A complete mess.
1: (laughs) Well, we talked earlier about how for a first picture, this is like extraordinarily ambitious. Right. It just is trying to do so much. And by some miracle, it pretty much works. And people have really bought into this film. It has over an eight on IMDb, which is reserved for the best of the best i don't know currently if it's still in the imdb top 250 but it was for a long time Mm -hmm. and pretty high up i mean this is a highly ranked and highly appreciated and loved film it's so deep and like when you try to like connect all these things and you're like wow this all kind of makes sense and there's all these little clues and all this stuff and most of which we we didn't even cover because i mean you could probably if you were really well informed and had studied the film a lot you could probably do a 5 hour podcast on this thing right and just and just then be cracking <laughs> cracking the surface a little bit we're yeah. i mean we're really you know doing a cursory job right we didn't even mention charita chen until you know five seconds ago and we skipped all the grandma death stuff until we realized that we had to bring it back up (laughs) (laughs) which is usually how we do it yeah that's we skip things and then we're like oh wait we got to go back that's
2: life in this podcast yeah
1: so you know the movie didn't do well but then it gained this very loyal cult following and they allowed him to do a director's cut only a couple years after it came out which is very rare for even popular films um, yeah. Sure. Because I mean, it, it's it's not like for most movies, it's going to be a guaranteed money maker to pay the director to go back and recut the film and re-release it. They even did like a little theatrical run for the director's cut. And as we talked about, a lot of weirdos and stuff are obsessed with this movie, so it, it kind of paints Richard Kelly into a corner of like this is the only thing you're ever going to do, and it's kind of sad going back and listening to that director's commentary with Kevin Smith cuz he kind of you can kind of tell that he's afraid of that happening and it's pretty much what's happened. Yeah. Um there's a lot of optimism about Southland Tales on that commentary and so Oof. I was like kind of excited right. for that movie yeah. and then it I don't even know where to start with it. I mean I think like some of the oddball casting was intentional, but that didn't work, and it didn't really get much of a theatrical run at all. It may have played in like one theater in Pittsburgh. I didn't see it in the theater. Though. Yeah,
2: and it's really kind of hard to follow even what's going on in it. The the tone of it is odd throughout, um, and it just kind of feels like a jumbled mess. It's kind of one of those movies that like every once in a while, I get my I try to get myself convinced of like. It'll be like okay, I haven't watched it in like a few years, and I'm like, I don't know, maybe there was like something there, and then you start watching, and you're like, no, 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 <laughs> hard pass.
1: Yeah, I mean, anytime that a director's like, well, I wrote like these prequel graphic novels that you need to read to like understand the movie, <laughs> but
2: not reveal that until after the movie. It's like, been out oh, for God. years.
1: So then, after that disaster, uh, he does like a more mainstream studio picture. Uh, called The Box. Um, Interesting title. (laughs) Starring uh, Cameron Diaz and James Marsden. Um, I saw that in the theater. And it's not terrible, but it's not really that great either. I think even in that film, though, uh, as we talked about, uh, Frank Langella's in it, too. Um, I think he was trying to do something more mainstream and relatable that could potentially be more
2: successful but more I think of a contained he, story too yeah and it is it's it's
1: infinitely more coherent than right. the southland tales i mean it's not like you watch it and you don't understand what's happening i mean it's pretty it's a weird story but it's you get it i mean there's not really it's not like mm-hmm. it's not like donnie darko where you have to watch it multiple times and it's not like southland tales where you'll never understand it because it's <laughs> A pile of crap <laughs> but like it's just it's not that great and i still think there's parts of it where he couldn't help himself and he was trying to like shoot for the moon again and it ultimately falls flat in the movie itself mm-hmm. um I, I mean i would give it like a c plus it's not like an All f right, movie that's not or horrible. Anything. yeah but it, you know solid c plus it's kind of just disappointing yeah because it's it's not it's nowhere near like as interesting as Donnie Darko, and it's kind of just v- pretty forgettable, really.
2: Well, yeah.
1: And he hasn't done anything since, and that movie came out in 2009. Wow. So, so anyway, fuck
2: Richard Kelly. <laughs>
1: no, I mean, yeah. that's kind of the curse of having something That early happen. success? Yeah, yeah, I mean, and it's weird to, to call it early success. because yeah, it's, it's not, not like, like it, a huge financial hit or anything. Yeah, it didn't really like... It's not like The Sixth Sense or
2: something. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah. You
1: know, some kind of monster hit thing where he could pretty much have a career for the rest of his life seemingly
2: forever on yeah and um, night shy well
1: let's not act like signs and unbreakable didn't make money too. True. i'm p- yeah. pretty sure that most of his movies did up until a certain point well
2: yeah that's true
1: but yeah i mean it's kind of disappointing hopefully he's still pretty young i mean he's not like an old guy i, I think you know hopefully he can find something get it going find a project to really kind of shake things up. It's like, it's, you always fall into that trap though, where presumably he wants to do something completely different from Donnie Darko. He doesn't want to try to remake the same movie yet. That's kind of what like any fans of his that he might have or anybody who's aware of Donnie Darko, that's what they're always going to be looking for. And, you know, annoyed at anything that isn't in the same vein.
2: Yeah. Uh, Although well, enough
1: time has gone by now where it's like, I can't imagine people are really even paying attention to his career.
2: True. I don't think so, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's been, what, seven years since his last movie, and it was a movie that if you brought up the box to most people, I don't think it's really going to register as to what that was. But I'm sure more people saw the box than Southland. To, well, so. yeah, that's true. One last thing I'd like to say about Donnie Darko. Donnie, uh, a true coxman, really, with his whole... Like, just nonchalant way of starting to date uh, Gretchen. Just kind of dropping, do you want to go with me? A method that I've since tried to apply to great failure.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, things are easier at that age, probably. That's true. You can, you know. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I mean, you know, she basically lands in his lap. Well, yeah. She she makes the big first move.
2: Right. (laughs) <laughs> and then just she like, chooses him to sit next to so you want me to be my girlfriend she's like yeah sure that sounds good yeah
1: i mean i wish you know we could get into some of the different things but it's kind of just like again with most of the subjects we do in here i kind of just encourage people to watch it for themselves yeah um
2: and then if, tweet us
1: yeah tweet us your reaction right <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's kind of it's kind of strange like um Mad World ended up going to number one, like the cover. Oh, I know! Isn't that so in the weird? UK? Like a year after the movie, right? I remember like seeing a little
2: piece on MTV News about
1: that. Yeah, and it's kind of that kind of song on its own, kind of gained like uh, some cult popularity in just, America, uh, and then some mainstream popularity like
2: abroad. Two years ago, I saw being advertised Gary Jules just playing down the street at Club Cafe. Wow! It's like. I'm kind of annoyed you didn't mention it to me, yeah, I don't know,
1: <laughs> but it's like <laughs> I would have liked to have not gone to that, yeah,
2: exactly, but it would have been nice to know what was <laughs> yeah. going on at the time. I like to know about things that yeah. I don't
1: really want to go to, right, but, you know be at least be aware, yes, um, so, like we said earlier, uh one more episode in twenty seventeen, no. 2016, I don't, whatever <laughs> well, the fuck year it is. One,
2: one, in one more in 2016, and then one in 2017. Then we're done.
1: <laughs> yeah, we'll do one more in December, and then maybe one in like June ish, <laughs> and then we'll call it.
2: Yeah, we'll do like a State of the Union in June. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we'll announce our comeback in June, and yeah. then only ever post that episode where <laughs> we announce the comeback, and then that's it.
2: Yeah, and even that will be like a few days late.
1: Over the next couple of weeks, building up to our season two that we're launching in Jan- <laughs> <laughs> that we're launching in January, uh, this that would be like a great time to tell your friends about the show and also tweet at us some suggestions. Yeah, you know, probably we're probably not gonna listen for like subject matter, like episode ideas, but like just <laughs> different, maybe different suggestions. Like, yeah. Make the make the shows longer or shorter or why don't you why don't you <laughs> don't say that why don't you post them on the same day every
2: week? Oh. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, don't tweet us any of that kind of bullshit. Yeah, just
0: <laughs>
2: don't tweet us actually. We're deleting the Twitter account. And
1: make sure you are subscribed and telling your friends about the show if you like it. Or even if you don't, whatever. <laughs> Go fuck yourself, <laughs> asshole. Why would you listen? To this late in the episode. Text right? me if
2: you want a sticker, it's a real collector's item.
1: I don't even have one.
2: Well you're an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs>
1: um Alright, so that's Donnie Darko, and uh thanks for listening and we'll see you next
0: time.
1: The hottest chick we've ever had up here that's the hottest chick we've ever had up here she's the hottest chick we've ever had up here they're the
0: hottest chicks we've ever had up here that's the hottest chick we've ever had up here <t pianos> that's
1: fine baby that's the hottest chick we've ever had up here. <poles> She's the hottest chick guy we've ever had up here. It's the hottest chick we've ever had up here. She's the hottest chick we've ever had up here. Fuck a prenup. There's no prenup. I'll give you half what I got right now. Take this over to Gimbals. (laughs) She's the hottest chick we've ever had up here. Thank you for frustrating the fuck out of us. They're the hottest chicks we've ever had up here. She's the hottest chick we've ever had up here. She's the hottest thing I've ever seen. Motto.